Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the pod that shares the stories of those affected by suicide. Lost a loved one? Attempted it yourself? Come listen in with your host, Elaine Lindsay. Elaine's mission? End the silence, stigma, and shame about suicide, ideation, and mental health. Sharing your burden can lighten your load. Elaine says we must normalize the conversation to make it easier for you to voice your pain and be able to ask for help. Reaching out to another human being when you're in need of a listening ear must become the norm. Please note, the Suicide Zen Forgiveness podcast is for education only. Some of this subject matter could be triggering. For those of you that are either grieving or having mental health problems, please call your local suicide hotline or mental health office if you need immediate help. And now, here's your host, Elaine Lindsay. Today's guest is Cheryl Pankhurst. Cheryl is a proud mom, a daughter, a partner, and a friend. Her loved ones mean the world to her, and she cherishes every moment she gets to spend with them. In her free time, she loves hanging out with her grown-ass kids, what she calls them, reading a good book and being outdoors. Cheryl says she's an avid golfer and enjoys nothing more than hitting the links with her favorite people. If there's a sweet dog in need of a forever home, you can bet she'd be the first in line to rescue them. That's someone after my own heart for sure. Professionally, Cheryl is a special education specialist and has spent over 25 years working with teens who have unique needs and significant challenges. Cheryl discovered her true passion of supporting, coaching, and collaborating with these teens and the people who love them as they navigate high school and the opportunities beyond. This led her to retiring from teaching and reinventing herself as a podcaster, coach, entrepreneur with Teen Minds Redefined. When Cheryl's not working on her business, you'll find her on her yoga mat as a certified yoga teacher. She's always been passionate about the mind-body connection and the benefits of a regular yoga practice. Now, she says, let's be honest, there's nothing quite like breaking a sweat and feeling that post-yoga glue. Without further ado, let's bring Cheryl on board. Thank you so much for joining me, Cheryl. It's wonderful to have you here. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for the invite. So this will be a little different than the start of some, because you're going to be relating a story that is heartbreaking. There's no two ways about that. But I want people to really understand all the nuances of this story that are incredibly important. And I don't want us to lose sight of the fact that our systems are broken. They're absolutely broken, and we need to deal with that. So with that being said, Cheryl, I'd like you to start wherever you want. We know that you were a specialist 
in special ed at school and basically high school age kids. So let's go from there. Thank you. Yes, you're right. I was a special education specialist um, for high school and for the last 15 years of that part of my career, I was the head of the department. So it gave me a lot of opportunity to work one-on-one -on -one with students and be able to develop a very intuitive sense to issues or challenges they might be having, which was really a gift in the end. So in my role as a special ed specialist in a very big high school, and I'm not going to, I'm just going to preface this by saying when I'm telling the story about this young girl, I'm going to call her Bella. I called her Bella in a story I wrote that kept to myself because she is and was a very beautiful soul. And I want to respect her family. They are, I keep this as a very private matter. So I'm going to respect that and I'm not going to name places just for that reason. So be patient. I, yeah, no, and I totally appreciate the need for that. can't let that go by without pointing out that's why I do this podcast because so many are still locked in the silence and the shame and the stigma of suicide and the loss and the ramifications thereof. So that too is part of the reasoning behind Cheryl. Leaving out a few bits. Thank you. You're welcome. So six weeks into the year of grade nine, I was introduced to Bella. So part of my role is if a student comes into high school in the middle of a semester, it already triggers a little bit of a red flag for us because that's a really tough transition for a kid. Yeah. When Bella came in, um, there was no indication of any type of diagnosis or challenge. Mom just brought her in, said she's just moved in with me and that's it. So in the next few weeks of getting to know Bella, as I said, I picked up on some intuition with challenges and diagnosis, and I was concerned about some of the behaviors that I was noting with her. Changes in voice, changes, not being able to make any connections. She had no friends in the school, even after several attempts to connect her. She also just really felt very isolated. She would find herself, I would find her in corners of the cafeteria, I would find her in corners of the school. And it was hard for me because I was easily made connections with teenagers at the school. I made some great connections in the school. I could not connect with Bella. I could not find any way to make any kind of connection with her. As the days and weeks went by, noticed more challenges, I dove into her file from her past school. And they said, oh, 
They had no indications of any issues. Hmm. And mom, again, I was talking to mom probably on a daily basis. I'm concerned about this. I'm concerned about that. And I don't know, it was received as, oh, okay, I'll look into it. And nothing came of that. So weeks in, I finally got my team in to investigate a little further with her former elementary school. And there were an awful lot of issues that they brought to the table, they finally disclosed. And one was the reason Bella was brought to her mom so suddenly and pulled out of school was because there was an event at her stepmom's home where Bella pulled a knife and threatened her on two occasions. So my imagine there is that it was the last straw. So she was brought to mom's and mom in her own good thought was this is a fresh start. I don't want her to come in with any backstory, I'm assuming. So there was no information shared. As the weeks went on, Bella made one friend and it was a boyfriend and he was on the spectrum. So my intuitions and her characteristics displayed to me that she may very well be on the spectrum, but I can't diagnose. So that made sense to me that she had this connection. She also had the connection of his family. So I felt a little more comfortable that there was something there, that there was a caring person in her world at our school. About, I'm gonna say into February of the same year, Bella then connected with her boyfriend, sent a text to her boyfriend and said, I don't want you to go near me today, which her boyfriend totally would understand because he's on the spectrum and would follow the rules. I happened to not be at school that day. I blew out my knee the day before, so I was at home immobile. And that morning I was on the phone with Bella's mom and we were talking about her next semester and what can we do to support her? What kind of classes would she want to take? And at that very same time, I hung up from mom. I got a text from the school saying, there is a student running around with knives, slashing kids, slashing at teachers, and it's Bella. The school was in a complete lockdown. I died, I turned on the news, and of course the news is on, it's alive, and I'm watching this whole thing go down. No one was seriously injured, thank God. Bella, coincidence or not, went after all females, two or three students that were reportedly had bullied her, I don't have facts on that, and one teacher, female teacher, who cared so much for Bella, it was bizarre to me. The way it ended was one of our wrestling coach teachers was able to get Bella to the ground safely, disarm her, and then the police came, ambulance came for the victims. And Bella was eventually taken to an institution that is specifically for mental health for teenagers or incarceration for teenagers. And it's a half and half building where she was treated for nine months. I went to every court appearance and the final court. I'm just going to stop you for one second. Yep. 
We didn't lose anybody in this incident, correct? We did not lose anybody in that incident, no. Okay, it was just injuries and everyone recovered. Yeah, there was stitches involved and some tetanus shots involved because they were kitchen knives, but no one was seriously injured physically. Good to hear. So Bella spent nine months in the institution and there was a final court date where they were to decide if she would continue there or what her next steps would be. And she was on a 24-7 suicide watch the entire time she was in this institution. Wow. When we got to the court, Bella was allowed to say how she felt. And she stood up and said, I'm sorry that people were hurt. I know that what I did was wrong, but I don't, and in her words, feel sorry. And so she had no desire to leave the institution. I think she felt very safe there, but the judge decided that she had done her time as she considered it time and she would be released. She was not going to be released in the custody of either of her parents who were obviously not together. She was released into the custody of a group home where she continued to be on suicide watch 24 seven. And unfortunately, suicide watch in a group home is a very different entity than being on suicide watch in an institution meant for that. So one morning, a couple of weeks after I got a call that Bella had gone for a walk and found a tree and ended her pain. I am so sorry. Thank you. Something that struck me in her saying that she wasn't sorry, I didn't feel it, Mm -hmm. yet she wanted to stay at the institution because I think she knew that's how other people would be safe. Exactly what I was thinking too. Yeah. How heartbreaking. <sighs> there, There's just so many layers to that as well. And they, the judge also admonished mom and dad in the court. Yeah. The way they managed their relationship and co-parented Bella. And I was so happy that, not happy, I was relieved to hear her actually say it out loud. Yeah. That not in every case, but in most cases, I feel like parents can really think about if they're choosing to not be together how they move forward with co-parenting. I think that's a huge issue. I find that parents, and that's just one layer, of course, but it makes such an impact on how our kids grow up and how we feel about ourselves. Not only that, but this, to me, dedicated effort to cover up anything that had happened before made it nigh on impossible 
for those trying to help at each different stage because you're basically starting from scratch. 100%. And when, when I didn't have the information at my school, I know what had happened previously. Bella had fallen through the cracks. I know her dad and her stepmom had tried and made appointments and she was on a wait list and all of those terrible things. But when she came to me and I didn't have this information, I had a whole team behind me who would be able to support her, who would be able to render a diagnosis, who would be able, and I'm certainly not saying that it could have, it absolutely would have ended differently. I'm not saying that. I don't have a crystal ball. But I do know that because I didn't have that information, because it wasn't shared even confidentially with me, I had no way of supporting and setting up a system of support for Bella on my end. Absolutely. And the other thing that, to play devil's advocate, if you Mm -hmm. will, as a parent, when you constantly come up against extended waiting periods and no, come back later, and we have nothing for you, and in, in Bella's case, probably moving her out of certain schools, saying they just can't handle it anymore. There comes a point as a parent where you do, you just want to erase it all and try starting from scratch. Yeah. yeah and that's part of this silence that we have, God help us all, encouraged for decades. Acknowledging any kind of mental illness, any kind of ideation or suicidal anything was tantamount to asking to be put away. And I know, I don't know if you're as old as me, I've said this before, but when I was a teenager and I worked at Rideau Regional Hospital School, there was a song called, they're coming to take you away, hee-haw, to the funny farm. Yes. Okay? It was a pop hit. Yeah. And the horrible thing, with all the silence and the shame and everything, all of us knew that wasn't a joke. Electroshock therapy was still a thing. Yes. Yes. Okay? There were so many reasons. I can see both sides. I can see kids don't come with a damn manual. <laughs> Say <laughs> that every day. <laughs> yeah, we get manuals for ev- from everything from your cell phone to your coffee. That's right. It has instructions. You need a license you know? to have a dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or a gerbil. Okay. <laughs> Okay, like it's it's insane that the most precious thing there is there's no instructions, there's nothing. No. And you can talk about all the Dr. Spock and all the whatever books that came after. There's no definitive instruction book that comes along with a child. We're expected to bumble along. 
And then there's the labels we don't want to put on our child. And there's, am I putting them in this box? And they're never going to get out of that box. And I understand the fresh start, but that's, you know, there's fresh start, but there's very significant information that needs to be shared. And when you're talking about a school team, it's very confidential. Everything can be confidential, but it's a ground a foundation that we absolutely need to have. Yes, and that's the whole reason we have moved to this type of model in education. Mm-hmm. So that less and less are you losing kids through the cracks. Yes. You know, we didn't have a team when I went to school. We didn't have... We, we barely had a guidance counselor. In my case, she was a nun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who promptly fell asleep when you tried to tell her anything. <laughs> not, I, I did not spend a lot of time in her office, let me mm. tell you. It did not seem valid. Yeah. <laughs> no offense, sister. You know who you are. <laughs> but, yeah, they were ill-prepared. Guidance counselor was someone who didn't get the job in the science or the math department or mm-hmm. English, so they had to put them somewhere. Yeah. Even when you started, when I started a special education, there was there was no designation. Like I was supporting kids who had learning disabilities or ADHD or were on the spectrum. There was very few kids that I worked with. There were a couple, though, that... You could start to see at a certain age a type of psychosis starting to emerge. And that's, of course, when I started really learning about mental health and what that looks like. And so when I started to see these things in Bella, I started to push harder and talk more and ask more questions. And I just I wonder, what what is there 17 layers to this? That if I peeled back one, would the end still be the same? I don't know. But I just want people to know when your kids are struggling, the school needs to know. If you're pulling them out for bullying, if you're pulling them out and switching schools for any reason, any reason, the school needs that information. And you can very much say this is very confidential. I just need you to have this in your back pocket. What a complete difference that would make especially now the kid has someone on their team in the building. Yeah. Someone who has their back. I would know to look out for somebody. I would know to keep an eye on this person. Let me know if there's an issue in the classroom. That's easy for me to do, to connect and put the pieces yeah. together. But when you have no information, and even when you start sharing information with parents and it's pushed aside. Blank wall. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing, you were talking about psychosis, and I believe Bella was actually young for psychosis to be showing itself, and yet that's what you were seeing. That's what I was seeing, and of course, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but there was just different characteristics that would come out when I noticed a student turned maybe 17 or 18, yeah. and Bella was... 14 
So I don't know. I don't know. I just, it started really frightening me. And there was an incident in between this where Bella had fallen asleep at school. And when I asked her if she was sick, if something was wrong, she did divulge to me that she took a great number of Advil. Oh, wow. And so I had mom come and pick her up. I told mom right away, had mom come and pick her up. I said, you must take her to the doctor. Like there's no option here. She has to go to the doctor that she didn't take enough to do damage to her system, but she was obviously asleep. And mom said, yep, absolutely. I will. And Bella showed up at school the next day. She didn't go to a doctor. Yeah. And that's the saddest, that's the saddest part. And again, there's no, the point of this is certainly not to blame anybody. It's to share and it's to inform and really put, you know, the emphasis on talking and sharing and getting help. And it's, it's not a, we've got to get rid of the stigma. It has to go. And as a teacher, You cannot adequately serve a student if you don't have all the information. 100%. 100%. There's even little incidents where I would be able to say to a teacher, look, mom just called. This and this happened in the morning. Keep your eye out. Don't do any triggering. Don't point them out. Don't center them out. Keep an eye on their social. And then the teacher can say, oh, okay. Now I'm not going to say you didn't do your homework, you didn't do this and set off, you know, a domino effect of explosion because they knew and because they care. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's so sad that silence, again, silence is a killer. Yeah. And sitting in the funeral home, I said this to you is... There wasn't room to stand. There were so many people who loved her, who were just heartbroken at their loss. But I think there's something, obviously there's a disconnect between someone having all of these people love them and not feeling it. Yeah. And not feeling there's anyone in the world who can help with the pain and get rid of the pain than making this one decision in a park in the morning. It's just, it's beyond comprehension. Yeah. And yet, okay, it's important for people to acknowledge yeah. there are people who cannot connect with their feelings. And for one, it's not their fault, but if we can at least be aware, then you can learn to approach them in a different way. And don't be fooled by, if you saw Bella from the outside, oh my gosh, she was so creative. I, first time I met her, I thought, Harry Potter. She had this beautiful (laughs) tulle skirt on that she made. She had these leggings on with these 
patches of um, glitter. Oh, and, wow. and her bag she had created, she made her own knapsack. It was all very, it was all just the coolest thing. And her art and her poetry were just phenomenal. And so when you look on the outside, you think, oh, she's just a creative. She's got this to go. Well, I'll tell you something. She had an Instagram account. She had a Facebook account. And she had zero followers until the day this happened at school. And so what was discovered prior to the event were hints of messages that she was putting on social media about hate, about wanting to get revenge, about this, about like just leading up to, because we had to do um, a risk assessment afterwards. So all of this is in her social media, but because nobody made a connection with her, because nobody cared to friend her or follow her or pay attention if they were or pay attention to these messages. Or even knew that she was on there. Then, yeah, I found out afterwards. And then afterwards, oh, it just lit up with comments. I knew it. I knew it. She's weird. She's this. She's. It was just heart-wrenching that nobody paid attention until this. Yeah. And again, not to play devil's advocate, but I'm the first one to call out the bullies and get angry with those that attack those that are weaker than them. Yes. But there is a certain piece of the human psyche that feels a weird kind of remorse when something happens, even if all they did was think she was weird. They didn't actually say it to her. But you begin to feel a certain part of being a contributor to her eventual demise. Exactly. And, when, and I mean, if we can even turn it around to bullies like we know that bullies are just in pain somewhere yeah Yeah. and in obviously there has to be consequences to being a bully but can we look further can we look further in identifying what's actually going on here why are you in so much pain that this has to happen and and horrifically a lot of that is generational one hundred percent in, in yeah. if you were bullied, you either turn into a bully or mm. you turn into a permanent victim. I yeah. have seen it so many times. And what actually frightened me as a teenager, I don't know why I thought it would be different with the institution. Because there were a lot with very diminished capacity. But the human dynamic of comparison and jealousy and all the almost lesser emotions played out in the various units. We had an adult training unit. We had teenagers, teenage boys in one area, teenage girls in another. 
Mm-hmm. And there were varying levels of diminished capacity. Those things were always there. There was always, you know, often a fight over a toy or a pencil or a whatever. Or she got more dessert than I did. Or, oh, he played with that ball longer than I did. As a teen, I just thought, wow, it just doesn't... There's nowhere that we don't have those lesser emotions. Mm -hmm. There's nowhere. I could not have articulated it back then. No. Definitely not. But in in hindsight, many years later, in in looking at uh, different things, I just found, wow, it is part of the human psyche. And I think our, our job, as humans, is to level ourselves up Hmm. and aim for better. Yeah. And can you just be kind to start? Just be kind. I always think, even when people are within the school, I've I've said so many times, that's somebody's child. (laughs) That could be your child, but that's somebody's Mm -hmm. child. So let's be very careful. Yeah. how we talk to people and how we shun people because just as easily it could be your sibling or your daughter or your son or you just never know. Absolutely. And it's not always easy and I am the last person to be crowned an angel or a saint or anything because it's <laughs> not. I no. am not. No. But we have to be really aware of not being triggered also by others mm-hmm. because when someone approaches you and they are negative and disrespectful for no reason that you know of at that moment it can immediately trigger a like response yeah and it's hard to stop yourself and wonder, my, my famous line, who peed in your cornflakes? <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah. there's backstory. Somewhere yeah. there. And it's, you can't always be the better person. I know I can't. No. But we have to, we have to, what is it Maya Angelou said, when we know better, we do better. Yes, yeah. There's a quote by a psychologist, Ross Green, and I, I refer to him quite a bit in my podcast. And his quote is, and his is for kids, but I think it's for people. Kids do well when they can. And so if they're not doing well, there's something else there. Nobody is mean on purpose. Nobody's manipulative on purpose. Nobody's horrible to you on purpose. They're doing well when they can. And if they can't, there's something else there. And so there's a bonus thought in, can you just take that pause before you react? If somebody comes to you or you hear negativity or they're nasty to you or whatever, can you just take that breath and just... Okay, they're doing well when they can. Let's just react with that perception. And maybe it will give you a little more grace and kindness 
for them. Oh, that, that is so good. Words to live by. Hmm. I have much work to do. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> it's always yeah. a learning. Always a learning. Yeah. I have a pair of friends that have written these books, a goldfish, a different colored goldfish, and it's all about the human condition, employers, what have you. Mm-hmm. But their tenet is we are all flossom. Embrace it. I love it. I love it. Now I'm going to go one further and say embrace it with a little grace. 100%. Yeah, I agree. So as we wind down here, what I want to do, because I think it's really important, Mm -hmm. I want to talk about Teen Minds Redefined, your podcast. Please let people know what it is, what you do, and where it came from. So I just retired from my position as spec ed specialist. So I spent a lot of years working one-on-one with teens. And while it seemed to compartmentalize with teens with diagnosis and disabilities, I noticed, especially since COVID, there's no box. All many teens are struggling and they need a caring adult. And being able to connect and communicate and really dig deep around what's happening with them and making those connections was so important to me. Meeting with parents and being able to work through and support them supporting their teenager and thinking outside the box and finding a different perspective, all of that was my jam, just my jam. I just loved it. And so I thought, you know what, I think I'm being called to talk to more people and help more people. And so I created Teen Minds Redefined. And of course, it's on any podcast platform. It's also on YouTube because I got really gutsy with the video stuff. <laughs> so yeah, this is, is going to, there's eventually a, a coaching program where I'm going to coach teens and parents, but this is just giving little nuggets, hopefully information. And when I bring on experts it's so funny because i think we're going to go down one way and we always go down another way and it's so important and it's so exciting and i'm just loving every minute of it as someone hoping to do good work i know you're doing good work and i know getting our voices out is imperative absolutely and you touched a little bit there on courses but what i thought was really fascinating and what i think is really important you're looking at a three-pronged approach the Mm -hmm. parent teens and then the whole family yes courses that will work together yes 100 percent. because i did notice working one-on-one with the kids in the school there sometimes was that disconnect and it was really impacting the relationship so i became the middle person to be able to say mm, can we think about it this way oh how about this and it was, i was able to get a different perspective both parties. So it'd be just great to, to be able to you know, help parents really redefine and reimagine the relationship with their teenagers because they are just so amazing to hang out with. And they, sometimes they get a bad rap, but if you dig enough, you find the heart and the soul. And I just, I love hanging out with them. So this was the best way to do it. <laughs> that, that is so excellent. And I think one of the key things there is you as that middle ground, you don't have all that history. Right. Because as a parent, as a teen, you're bringing your own history with you. Mm-hmm. You know that, yeah, last year, mom wouldn't let me do blah, blah, blah. And it's hard to drop those pieces when you're trying to sort through something. 
you as that very steady middle ground that doesn't have any of that garbage attached must be really excellent. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's could just do it all day long. So it's, I think I'm just in my zone now. I found my way. That's absolutely perfect. I love to hear that. Thank you. I cannot thank you enough for your session today. Let's um, take the lessons from this story because I think it's critically important. Thank you. Thank you for the work you're doing, Elaine. This is phenomenal. It needs to be done. And I'm so glad you are facilitating and fostering all of this. Thank you so much. Please, Listen, reach out, and more than that, talk about it. Start the conversation. That's my new hashtag, is start the conversation. Because if we don't talk about it, we can't change it. Mm -hmm. And that's my hope for all. Yes. My guest today, Cheryl Pankhurst, thank you so much. Teen Minds Redefined is her podcast, Courses Coming. All of that information, all of her links and everything else will be below in the transcripts for the podcast. Yes, perfect. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. You're so very welcome. And I see us probably having another chat sometime. Absolutely. Yes. For you, our audience, I say thank you ever so much. I look forward to seeing you next time. Make the very best of your today, every day. Bye for now. Thank you for being here for another inspiring episode of Suicides and Forgiveness. We appreciate you tuning in. Please subscribe and download on your favorite service and check out SZF's YouTube channel or Facebook community. If you have the chance to leave a five-star rating or review, it'd be greatly appreciated. Please refer this to a friend you know who may benefit from the hope and inspiration from our guests. Suicides and Forgiveness was brought to you by the following sponsors. Truel Social Media, the digital integration specialists. Let them get you rocking page one in the search results. Canada's keynote humorist, Judy Croon, motivational speaker, comedian, author, and stand-up coach at Second City, Judy has been involved for over a decade in the City Street Outreach Program in Toronto. Lisa Sugarman, Boston-based author, columnist, and crisis counselor with The Trevor Project, America's largest suicide and crisis support network for at-risk LGBTQ youth, storyteller with the National Alliance on Mental Illness, NAMI, survivor of suicide loss, and mental health advocate. Lisa's purpose aligns with the lanes as Lisa shares content and sparks conversations to help end the stigma of suicide and connect people with the support and hope they deserve. Do you have a story to share? Do you know someone you think would be a great guest? Please go to szf42.com. And for our American listeners, that's szf42.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you again.